1: Bill Evans, Joe Salant, Tactical Topics for the Reconstruction of Christendom. thank you very much for tuning in tonight. What's up, Bill?
0: Well, it was just a matter of time before the Salant machine muscled in on my gig. Mom, I'm blessed to have you, brother. You know, I haven't known you very long, but it didn't take me very long to figure that you were a brother from another mother. And frankly, I needed a break, and I figured you looked like a guy that could do some heavy lifting, so... Uh here you are. Here we are together, man. How oh, so, man? It's 2017, the future of Christendom Conference behind us. We want to talk about some things. This is just a first of, Lord willing, many podcasts. Joe's going to be flying solo some weeks, and I'll be back to our regular interviews. But I wanted to talk about uh, the con- the conference and and, and Perhaps some of the takeaways, some of the things we talked about. But to start it off, I wanted to share a a question I got on Facebook. And this answer, and this answer, by the way, you know, I don't have anything that I have not received. You know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And so if I manage to put things together, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And I've got some brothers that are laying the axe to the root and, and reconstructing my perspective as well. So, but the question came across like this. Look ahead 25 years. He said, look ahead 25 years and what do you think the practical consequences, positive or negative, will be of so many recons reconsidering ecclesiology, and Ecclesiastical Authority, and it came from Jonathan Cabot. And this was the answer that I cobbled together. Like I said, even a blind hog can find an acorn every now and then. I said, I believe in an ex- uh, what we can anticipate is an explosion of organic slash militant, that means kingdom slash action-driven home fellowships with a focus on anti-statism and homeschooling, aggressive worldview focused evangelism, and reconstruction slash abolitionism, coinciding with the further marginalization slash capitulation of the mainline and the mega churches. These congregations will be made up of families who are deliberately interdependent and represent more of a tiny example of a micro-community organized in the regional confederations. And I believe the nation as a whole will probably not resemble the country we live in today, and I predict at least one or two groups of states will have seceded from the U.S. come on Texas. So anyway... But I, I, I really
1: this is from this is from you. This, 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 okay, all right. I understand you're my elder. I you know look <laughs> at the end of the day. Cool. This, this, this is this is you. This is you, Bill. You, that, that, I mean that is profound. That is profound.
0: Well, again, this is just this is just a compilation of the worldview tweaking that I have undergone since spending more focused time with brothers like. Joe Foreman, Joel McDermott, Pojadar Marinoff, Martin Sal Brady, yourself, uh, Jason Sanchez, Shelby look yeah. at so many others, uh, Scott Herndon and all my abolitionist brothers. That that's what I see. Now I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet.
1: That is the prophetic message.
0: I mean I'm I'm, I'm sorry to, to to interject
1: right here. That that is the prophetic message. Um, now in regard to the conference. You know, Bo Bo delivered two talks: uh, "How to Turn Your Church into an Alternative Culture," one and two. And in these talks, uh, he talked about how Reform Christianity went from the dominant cultural influence in America uh, to the salt with salt and lightless with lampstand less than, less than two generations flat. And he, I mean, he didn't just complain about it. Uh, radical problems they call for radical solutions, and. Anybody that understands the signs of the times and is, and is understanding, you know, really feels the wind of the Spirit and how the Spirit of God is moving, not not like, you know, what, what man says, but how the Spirit of God is moving, he knows it's time to reassess our institutions from top to bottom according to the standard of the Word of God. Uh, and so, while balancing, we're kind of walking that balance beam of, of what confessional Christianity looks like historically and holding to Semper Reformata, uh, came up with the whole kind of thesis that the church must become like a culture based on the gospel of the kingdom again, uh, but in a new way almost, in a way that hasn't even been, been seen before, because as post-millennials, we, we believe that history is moving forward and the rule of King Jesus applied to all of life will progress further and further. Um, I mean, it's obvious why these kind of gatekeepers of the goat herd and, and shepherds of the status quo hate this kind of message so much. What did you take away from the solutions that Bo proposed? I mean, in the first talk, uh, How to Turn Your Church into an Alternative Culture, I got to, to watch online and listen to online. in the second one, I mean, it was, just, it was just absolutely profound. So he set the stage, and then he proposed solutions. What do you think about those solutions? How practical are they? Can, can you share with our audience a little bit?
0: Well, Bo was first to admit, he's still thinking. He's just, brother, we're just getting started. Right. I mean, it was by no means. I a couple of things, a little takeaways. I, at one point I asked Martin Salbrady. I said, Martin, uh, you've been around the Reconstructionist movement since the beginning. What do you notice differently about this this hoedown uh, from previous, you know, American Vision or Calcedon uh, events, and he mm-hmm. said there's a whole. He said there's a whole lot less seminary graduates here. In other words, this is organic. And then the other thing is yeah. that you'll be, you'll be heartened some now some people here are going to say, uh oh, they're 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 going that way. The war room is taking a is taking a hard left. But I'll, I'll share this well, with great. you. Mrs. This this may not seem like a big thing to some of y'all. We we were meeting for fellowship the the last night of the conference, and we were outside, and there were about twenty five people. And Bo was there, and Joel was there, and John Cummins, and Roger, and Marcy Oliver, and Matthew Markard, and 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 Colin uh, Shelby Shepard, uh, Shelby and Nancy Luke, and were a bunch of us around. It, it was really sort of informal, but I just. Decided to go ahead and step up, and I said, "Look, let's uh, first of all, I like to show a hand. How many of y'all are, are uh, continuationists?" And every hand went up. Wow! So that tells me right there, this bunch is ready and willing for the Holy Spirit to have His way. Wow! Wow! I mean, that is that is incredible because look,
1: I mean, that, one of the main things. And, I mean, I know Bo talks about that a lot, but, but very few others do. One of the main things is that the doctrine of the Spirit in reform circles and in Calvinistic circles and things like that is just so, so devoid of anything biblical when it comes to actually the Spirit, the Spirit of God uh, having a say in the direction of the Bride of Christ. Uh, through the biblical gifts and, and so on and so forth, and the issue there really is, and both talks both both touches on this a lot. The, the issue is that if you have a if you have this doctrine of cessationism, then basically it really empowers man and man's interpretation, and of course they give lip service to the word, but if there's no ability for the spirit to actually move in the gift that are prescribed in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12. If, if, if that's not happening, then what's what's happening instead is man having more power. Isn't that what we're talking about today? The problem is that man has too much power, that the lampstand that doesn't have any light in it and the salt that has lost its savor is basically taking the permissions from the culture to have its own private little kingdoms where these, these these little papists can boss people around. And yeah, you know, they do their, you know, maybe have their little activism and maybe schedule evangelism or whatever the case may be. But by and large, not infe- not affecting the culture at all. And wouldn't it be 100% according to the script biblically, if the problem was that we have pushed the spirit out of the church and to see this kind of, revi- I mean, I, I there, there the only, the only word that kind of matches up with what's going on here is revival. And to see this revival sweeping through the reconstructionist camp, getting rid of those who kind of want to hold to this high ecclesiastical uh, a notion where the landstand is gone and they still want to be in charge. But keeping those in, and gathering those who may be considered rejects and rogues and all that but are willing to allow the spirit to speak and to move and to act and to be the little manifestation of the God who created matter, energy, space, and time that sits on the throne and raise Jesus from the grave and can crush this pagan nonsense that's going on in our culture like in a second flat. Wouldn't it, would it, would it be tremendous if we, if this was like the, the embers of the fire that's going to be sparking up to see kind of like, I, I'm almost sounding, you know, crazy here, but like an Azusa street among reconstructionists, among uh, 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 reformed people, among Calvinists who immediately
0: well, really got their face to the ground. I mean am I
1: am I am I way out in left field on this here?
0: Well if, if you think that we're despised now for wanting to destroy idols that exist in the in the areas of ecclesiology and authority, if the word gets out that we believe that the gifts of the spirit are still distributed and functioning according to the sovereign will of the Holy Spirit, they're they're sure to brand us as a bunch of of crazy charismatics. And and again, what we we mentioned, the question was not how many of y'all are charismatic. It's how many of y'all are continuationists. In other words, not not everybody is saying, hey, I'm a walking, talking, tongue-talking, talk prophesying uh, son of the king. But they are saying we believe in the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit and we believe in the immutability of the Holy Spirit. The very fact that there are abuses is an indication that there's something there worth abusing and that there's something there worth counterfeiting. And Rushduny says, you know, where the Spirit is de-emphasized, then form and structure will always be uh, put in its place. You know, I I commented earlier that, regrettably, there are people who equate form with efficacy, and they insist that the power of the Spirit resides in the specific form of ecclesiastical government and liturgy rather than in the character of self-government under Christ and faithful orthopraxy. Come on. Come on.
1: Come so, I mean, right there, right there. At the at the end of the day, what do you think? Look, do you think that this is a uh, could it be labeled this move of cessationism, which is really enlightenment rationalism that's crept up on reform theology? Let's let's just put it to what it is. Um, do you think that this is about power and control? Do you think this is about autonomy over theonomy? And and, and whether this is a valuable question or not.
0: I I believe we were walking in the Spirit through this weekend. And and, uh, the Lord, I feel like, sort of gave me an illustration. I kept sharing it throughout the weekend. And it kept resonating with people. I said, you know, Gideon had started out with 30,000 men. And he had to send all... But three hundred of them home. So he he sent home twenty nine thousand seven hundred men. for either because they were either fearful or they were married or they had a vineyard they hadn't eaten from yet or they didn't drink water the right way or whatever. But now once he had once he had sent those twenty nine thousand seven hundred men back to their places of of residence, what was the problem that Gideon had with those twenty nine thousand seven hundred men? He didn't have a problem with them because they were no longer in the picture. His only concern was the 300 faithful that he had, the mission in front of him, and listening to God. That was all he was concerned about. So when, when brothers decide for whatever reason that they can't go any further with us, wish them yeah. well, Godspeed, pray that you bear much fruit and thus prove to be his disciples, but I'm going this way. And who, and, who's go, and who's coming with us. And you know what? I'm not worried about the ones that don't come with us. I'm not, not right. going to worry about trying to engage in this inner mural. Arthur Schopenhauer once is noted as saying, every great idea, technology, whatever, philosophy, movement, whatever it is, goes through three stages. First, it's ridicule. Second, it's violently opposed. And thirdly, it becomes just the way it is. There are people who are not going to get on board with a new technology when it first rolls off the drawing board. There are people that just gravitate to new stuff, and they want to be the first. And I think there's a lesson for us, is that for the people who don't get it right now, for the people who are not ready to leave what, they, what they've what they always known and join us, peace be filled. We We, we don't wish you any harm. We're not... You know, we don't need to attack them. We have a mission, and we need to listen to God, and we need to keep our eye on the mission and not worry about the 29,700 that didn't come with us.
1: Since, uh, you know, since I had my, you know, public, uh, public repentance video, you know, where I came out of my, you know, circuit trying to post evangelical pulpits and uh, being a professional in the pro-life movement and all that other kind of stuff, you know, when, when that kind of circle kind of basically... Again, it
0: doesn't mean that our numbers won't grow. That growth will come like leaven. It will be uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we just need to say less to more people. Some will, some won't. So what? Who's next?
1: And, and Well, straight up. And, and what we're talking about here, let's be
0: clear. We're
1: talking about putting an end. We talk about putting an end to the, to the pro-life movement. We're talking about putting an end to the ministry industrial complex. We're talking about taking an axe to the root of the saltless salt and the lightless lampstand. And it's all coming down to we're reassessing the way the church is done, especially church is done in the so-called reformed churches in America. Uh, the ones who have the theology right, especially in the area of soteriology. It's almost like Gnosticism where, you know, we have the tulip and uh, we understand the right, the right things about individual salvation but then the culture is just absolutely going to haze and Gehanna around us, and there's just absolutely no power involved in these churches whatsoever, um, you know, to change it. And so the
0: signs of the times are what they are, you know. It's really tempting, Joe, when you've got a big, fat, slow-moving target like the American church culture. It's really tempting to attack it. Because everybody right. likes red, everybody likes red meat. The main line are these reformed two kingdom, you know, seminary oriented clergy, laity. This brother, the congregations where that is the reality, it's already full of God's people who want a. a they want an exit, but they don't know what to go to. They, they, right. You know, they're in there. They're dying on the vine. They're languishing. Their, their souls are burdened. They know something's wrong. They haven't heard it. So yet we don't have to attack churchy and right. day in and day out. All we got to do, brother, is build its replacement. I'm not talking about a replacement for the body of Christ. I'm talking about building an environment, a culture, a community where everybody's gifts are have a, 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 meet, a way to be expressed, where we have a mission. You know, I, I was talking to a brother tonight. He called me, and he's just been flouring in his in his walk with the Lord. And I said, brother, first of all, you know, you need to be, you know, with you need to be with burning logs. One burning, you, know, you have a couple burning logs together, and you put a a, a, a log next to it. It won't be long before that other log is burning, man. So first of all, you right. got to be you got to be where people are burning. You got you know. I've been provoked and exhorted so much by you and Jason and and abolitionists and Bo and all the you know. And, and we're gonna get into that too because there's a two pronged thing here. I want to I want to I want to touch on in this episode. But but I but first of all, you got to do that. And secondly, you got to have a purpose. So we st- we sat around that we sat around that night outside the uh, future of Christian conference and after all the hands went up and I said how many of y'all continuations every hand went up and I said now I want everybody to go around the circle introduce yourself and tell us what you what what are your spiritual gifts and what is your calling what is your purpose and brother it when we when it wasn't just a few talking heads or experts, so-called, leading the discussion, but where everybody, even the even the, the young people, were given a place at the table and encouraged to e- explain to the rest of us how they wanted to be used by God and what their spiritual gifts were, it was beautiful. And I had people who who, told, who said to me, this is the best fellowship I've had in years, primarily because... Wow they were listened to you know they were they have gifts and they've been called and, and 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 their calling is not to sit in pews and listen to guys with degrees talk at them let me tell you something aha is not done yet they're not they don't have the whole picture yet when you prosecute a war that goes on for a number of years the tactics and the weapons become more sophisticated as the war progresses, and as the enemy gets pushed back more and more, abolitionism right. and and the brothers and sisters who identify as abolitionism as abolitionists as you and I both do, we're going to get better at what we're doing. And, and not only that, but as we continue in faithfulness, God is going to give ever greater power and ever greater effectiveness in defeating in the overcoming the enemy and break down doors and and go before. Us. The other thing is. Reconstructionists are, are morphing too, as well because for years, like Martin Salbrady said, for years, Reconstructionists have been known as kind of a bookish bunch. You know, they write books, they read books, they, they talk theological lingo that's quite frankly sort of not in the, the typical vernacular of the your garden variety, you know, churchgoer. And so they've kind of gotten this. They've kind of gotten this reputation of being kind of arrogant because knowledge puffs up. But the 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 synergy that's been created between abolitionists who are red hot obedient Christians who may not have all the theological jargon down, but they got the orthopraxy down. And then you've got the and you you marry that with. Reconstructionists who have a worldview and the theological foundations and the law of God and the doctrines of grace and and victorious eschatology. And then, brother, you put the trifecta of the Holy Spirit being released and the gifts of the Spirit being operated and moved in, brother, you've got, you've got a, a formula for, for, uh, culture changing revival. Yeah, so I see two things there. Um, so to break it down tactically, because
1: that's what we do in the war room, um, the ideas are right with Christian Reconstructionism. However, a lot of people who identify, a lot of the brothers and sisters who identify as Reconstructionists, have really not put, it's almost like, and, and this this will sound insulting, but it's almost kind of like a Gnostic situation where the concepts are correct in the, in the metaphysical, in the thought process, but in the physical world, they're just really not applied as much as you would expect. People who have this full of gospel to be able to take the ax and just swing it at the tree. It's like they have the ax, and you're like, swing that thing, and they just don't.
0: They're experts at axiology, but they've never chopped down a tree.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to me. It's just so nuts, because for me, becoming an abolitionist was, for me to become an abolitionist, it was, it was first really becoming a Reconstructionist in all areas of life. Like, I understood that, okay, there's an idol of humanism that, is, that, that the culture is sacrificing children to, and that idol needs to be destroyed. But abortion is just like kind of the main manifestation. Child sacrifice, the last throes of death in a culture, uh, the hugest manifestation, uh, image bearers of God being, being slaughtered in the place of the incarnation. Duh, this is awful. But I also understood that this idol of humanism has other manifestations, whether it be, you know, uh, status education or professional police. Or uh, uh, or the military-industrial complex, or the uh, uh, the uh, welfare state, or uh, the Federal Reserve—all these items of slavery to enslave human beings to other human beings, because what abolitionism is at the root, and any real abolitionist who understands what abolitionism is theologically, not just with a specific sin. We always talk about we're not at war with abortion. We're at war with the worldview that makes abortion possible to begin with. Well, anyone who actually agrees with that meme, who is opposed to that meme, understands that this worldview has other manifestations other than just abortion, and this worldview needs to be opposed every time it comes up, and it's about delivering man. From the dominion of man, this is dominion covenant stuff. This is why abolitionism and Reconstructionism is so linked together, because Reconstructionism sees the Bible as a whole, sees covenant theology as central, sees the uh, uh, sees the dominion mandate as something that actually, literally, is continuing today, uh, is expressed through the Great Commission. So we're supposed to take dominion, and in taking dominion, we must deliver man in the Amago day from the dominion of a man and set man free to the law of God. And so that is what abolitionism is about. And so we have these two problems here. And so what I'm seeing is we have we have we have the Reconstructionists who are saying Amen to everything I just said right now. Right? They're like, yeah, that's that's obvious. I mean. West Dooney, North, Marinoff, uh, 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 Johnson, uh, uh, McDermott. Obviously, you're just quoting other people. This isn't original material, right? Come on, Joe. You know, are you going to contribute anything else to the conversation? We're with you so far. But y'all are not with us out in the front lawns of the public schools or out at the front lawns of these, these ministry industrial complex churches doing church repent, doing project frontline. Even at the final lines that the abortion you all are not fair
0: well you know here's what here's what here's what they say they say, yeah, but I am my calling is in another area I get it listen, yes, we need to abolish uh theft supported government run indoctrination humanist doct- indoctrination centers yes those need to be abolished too and 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 the attacks on biblical marriage and and God's created natural order. Uh, yes, those, that, that's another, those are idols for destruction. Dead churchiology, Yes, idols for destruction. But, you know, there's a word, it's called priorities. Now, a father, you know, a homeowner, he's got a lot of priorities. You got to get your, you keep your utilities paid. You got to keep your grass cut. You got to keep food in the refrigerator for the kids. You got to keep, but when the house is on fire, there is only one priority. Everything else that needs to be done, it isn't going to matter if God if God basically drops the hammer on America because we failed. I mean, look, let's face it. If you haven't got the ABCs down, you don't need to worry about reading Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, Proverbs twenty four ten. Proverbs twenty four ten says, "If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength?" If Come you on. can't if this is so in our face that why why is it that all your energy is focused on abortion? Because guys, if we don't get this one right, there's not going to be anything here,
1: right? And 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 that's the that's the thing. When if that hammer came down, and you know God will save a city for ten righteous, so on and so forth. But the righteous need to be found out in the field, and the front lines of this fight. Just happen to be at the high places where they're sacrificing image bearers of God, uh, to the, uh, idol of secular humanism, which has been allowed to be erected by the ministry industrial complex, which has 80 million Christians running to and fro, saltless, lightless in their programs, seminaries, churches. Uh, para-church ministries, money flowing here and there, uh, while a tiny 1% of the LGBTQXV community dominating the culture just simply because God has said enough on the fake churchianity. So we understand that recons actually need to be out in the field like recon. Now, whether that's, you know, doing the fight on the front line specifically uh, against child sacrifice, which I'm always, you know, look, I'm a proponent, you know, check my videos out on, you know, the Little Elm Abolitionist Society on my page. I love being out there in front of the public uh, indoctrination centers. I call them the, uh, uh, the, the humanist uh, incubation centers for the rising generation. I love being out there talking to those kids uh, and giving them a chance. Uh, and we use the issue of child sacrifice as kind of the lead-in, but that's not all that we talk about. But look, you got to be out there. There's got to be there's got to be video evidence. There has to there has to be uh, a photographic evidence. There has to be. Look, we live in a society that sees everything that we do, and if we're sitting there behind our desks and our books on Facebook, complaining about stuff, or coming up with perfect theology, so on and so forth. That isn't enough. So we got what the recon side needs to do. Bill, let me ask
0: you this, brother.
1: Here's the deal. On the abolitionist side, um, recently, uh, uh, Joel McDermott came out with an article uh, on AmericanVision.org talking about the need to abolish the whole Moloch industry. And as Russ Dooney pointed out so many times in uh, in his institute, uh, Moloch simply means king. And it was the idol that Caused the Israelites most trouble because it was the king, not as God, but the king is the state or the community, and the sacrifice going to the king, which was the idol, to perpetuate happiness among human beings without God, and it was uh, you know wrought with all sorts of, of perversion, so on and so forth. But it was a holistic industry, where heaven was trying to be built without God, an extension of Genesis 11, uh, the Tower of Babel, and it's the same thing, just a different day. And McDermott says, uh, regarding abolitionism and the need to abolish not just abortion, but the whole Moloch industry, uh, today we bear the guilt, and I, I'll pull this up real quick. Today we bear the guilt, uh, we suffer the inconsistencies, and they are legions. And with this, however, we see that abortion is merely the tip of a vast conspiracy of our own lust, fears, and hypocrisy. The, the vast majority of Christians would decry the anti-child mentality of the liberal agents of the child sacrifices, but they will in turn uh, turn right around and hand their own children to those same agents of Moloch for their education, the king state, for their education. Abortion is Moloch worship, but Moloch worship is more than just abortion. It is a comprehensive worldview that even most Christians are consumed with. You can't stay
0: consumed
1: while criticizing abortion. It's hypocritical. And my question to you, and that's profound, I, I, I recommend look, all of our listeners need to check that out, the need to abolish the whole Moloch industry, By Joel McDermott, I personally, for whatever it's worth, called it the most important article of the year. Uh, My man John Andrew Reisner just actually published one on AmericanVision.org about the ministry industrial complex and the the whole issue of church authority that kind of maybe rivals it, in my opinion, again, for whatever it's worth. But here's the thing. Abolitionists, i put aside a lot to identify as an abolitionist, to mark myself out from the culture of death. Uh, you know, with the symbol. And I am an abolitionist, and I love my abolitionist. But I see a lot of abolitionists supporting this idol of humanism
0: in other areas
1: other than abortion, whether it's police or whether it's refusal to uh, confront
0: status and in indoctrination. What do you have on that? Here's what I would say to our, our abolitionist brothers and sisters. You are, have been doing, without understanding perhaps, you just – You've engaged the enemy, and you've done it without even knowing what Christian Reconstruction was. You've never heard the term. Perhaps you're vehemently opposed to Calvinism. Perhaps you're premillennial in your eschatology. Uh, you, you love Josh McDowell. He's your favorite apologist, whatever. You couldn't write out a definition of covenant theology. I get it. But the people who have written and explored and explained and laid out what you're doing in writing are people who Calvinists, presuppositionalists, theonomists, and and, and the post millennialism, like it or not. And if you can't hang with that, I I get it. You know, uh, maybe you'll get it later. The fact is, are we try do we do we want all abolitionists to be Reconstructionists, you bet your boots. Absolutely, we want you to be post-millennial. Absolutely, want you, we want you to be reformed in your theology or in your sociology. And if and when the day occurs that you are, you'll be saying, what took me so long? Uh, by the flip side, do we want our Reconstructionist recon, brothers and sisters who've got all the right books in their library, do we want them to be abolitionists? Absolutely, because if you're not, you're not consistent. And for both of those groups, both abolitionists and Reconstructionists, do we want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and walk in the fullness and have your gifts being manifested? You bet we do. That's the, the team we desire to see built by the grace of God. Going back to what you said about the Moloch worship, I was in foundations of social order by R.J. Rushing, He makes it clear that religions can be divided into two great and central classes. They're either theistic or they're political. There are political religions, but the majority of religions, really it's mainly political, and of course we know that whatever is the source of a people's law, that's their God. If, If the highest law on the land comes from the civil magistrate, then that's your God. He also says there's two absolute sovereignties, either God God or or the Moloch state. And sovereignties cannot coexist at the same point in time and space. There's no neutrality because the claims of Christ and the sovereign state are mutually exclusive. Their conflict is inevitable. And, and, oh. and the warfare between Christ and Caesar is an inescapable war, and it's a war under the
1: death. Either God is the true source of morality or and law, or the state is. If God is the true source, then the word of God must be hearkened to by church, state, school, and every sphere of life as the one authoritative source of morality and law. So that is theonomy. God as the true source of morality and law. What Christian would disagree with that? There's no Christian that would disagree with that. Everyone. That is not a controversial thing. Well, uh, now it depends, it, depends suggest- on who's
0: say- it depends on who's saying it, Joe. If R.C. Sproul or John MacArthur was saying that, <laughs> it, everybody's on board with it. But if it's Bonson, Rushdie or North, oh, heresy. heresy. Yeah.
1: How do you establish justice in the state if God is not the true source, and the word of God is not to be hearkened
0: to. You and I could go all night, so we need to save some of our fire future episodes. But I want to just leave two things. Number one, Jarrett Couture has notified me that he was convicted from some conversations we had over the weekend to purchase a prayer line that will be available 24-7 we got, there's a lot we need to learn about worship. There's a lot we need to learn about, uh, intercessory prayer, the weapon of prayer, the power of prayer, all that. We got a lot more to talk about here. We may call it the, the war room prayer chapel. I don't know what we're going to call this thing. But anyway, the point is there's going to be a prayer line available for y'all 24-7. Wow. The other thing is we wanted to let you know we are intending to, to get better uh, in terms of our podcasting excellence, we're always striving for excellence. For y'all who have endured the sound quality, you know these phone calls. This is done over three-way phone call, folks. Getting the Skype up, and and Joe will have the War Room Studio West out there in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Prosper, Texas. I'll still be here in the mobile War Room Studio. We we want you to know we appreciate you enduring, but sometimes is maybe not as high audio fidelity as you get on other programs. Hopefully, we make up for it in uh, fire and content. So, yeah. So, yeah. brother, well, why don't you, you know, take us out here, and uh, so glad to have you. So, I am
1: uh, coming in here. Uh, what I'm going to be adding is every other week or so, uh, I'm going to – I'll still be doing some of the interviews, uh, still will be doing most of the interviews, but I'm also going to be adding uh, a segment called Boots on the Ground. And if you're familiar with uh, my Facebook live feed, uh, go to Joe Salon Facebook. You'll check those out. Uh, I basically just apply the principles of abolitionism, Christian reconstructionism to what's going on on the ground in the fight to establish the law of God against the idols of humanism in the area of child sacrifice and other areas, too, as well. So activism-based, you know, so on and so forth. So I'll be doing those, the Boots on the Ground segment, uh, War Room Boots on the Ground. They'll be a little bit shorter than this. Uh, Got my nice podcast mic. Uh, My wife has set up a little corner in our establishment where – uh, you know, we're just gonna rock it out with y'all and, and give you kind of a boots on the ground frontline exhortation as well as the interviews. That'll be that segment coming up from from uh, from here on out. I'm so honored to be a part of this, man. Uh, I'm so humbled for this opportunity. This is the most special thing that I've done so far because this is speaking to that 300. And the 300 is attentive and they're willing to listen to just a rogue like me. And what I have to say through the Spirit, because I know it has nothing that's good, that, that it actually is really of eternal value to come from me in the flesh. And and to be on the front lines with these brothers and sisters, you know, outside of the indoctrination centers, on Church Repent, in these other projects, and to be able to report on the War Room uh, podcast, which is just so huge. Keep on obviously tuning into the War Room because you're going to get the – the interviews with the seasoned Christian leaders in, in position to establish Christendom. Listen to these episodes. Pay attention to the Ministry Industrial Complex was introduced on this show, uh, the interview with Bojadar Marinov. Also, pay attention to the interview with Joel McDermott, uh, T. Russell Hunter. That was a huge interview. Um, and coming up, we're going to have tons more interviews. That is still going to remain part of the program. To be an added dimension onto this and to be a weapon of the kingdom, establishing the love of God and all of life. appreciate it. If you have tuned in this podcast as an abolitionist and got upset because I said something about your theology, if it was because your theology had humanism in it, well, you know, it is what it is. And if you tuned in as a Reconstructionist and are upset because I exalted your theology but said that your orthopraxy, orthopraxy wasn't where it was, wasn't where it was supposed to be, I'm sorry, it is what it is. There's a lot of stuff that I'm struggling with in my life too. Let's just repent, because that's what it's about. Repent with us. Get on the front lines, and with that I'd like to close us in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we, uh, we lift you, we lift you up on high. Because we know that if we lift the name of Jesus up, all men will be drawn unto him. And God, uh, look uh, on this culture, it's just, you know, it, 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 it is where it is. You know, one baby every 30 seconds being slaughtered. Um, the humanistic state with its tentacles in every single area. The churches being one of the main uh, establishments where those tentacles have, have just reached in and, and encapsulated and everything. And we stand as that 300 just kind of looking at everything that's going on, at, at, at this giant army of the Philistines at these Amalekites, you know, we're just looking at like, oh, my goodness, God, I, I, how? what are we going to do? But we know, according to your word, that we can cast a mountain into the city, that if we march around the city in just basically obedience to you in a seemingly meaningless motion, that you will bring the fire.
0: And, God, we are
1: those 300. We raise our hands, Lord Jesus. Whether our orthopraxy is correct and our action is abrupt
0: or whether our
1: actions are right, but we're defending the same idol we're trying to destroy in another area of life. Lord, help us, Lord Jesus. None of us are perfect, whether it's our family life that isn't perfect, whether uh, it's our thought life. Whatever it is, Lord God, you know who we are. You've created us, Lord Jesus. Help us submit to you. Use this program Use everybody within the sound of my voice, Lord God, that we raise our hands like it says in Isaiah, that here I am, Lord, send me, sure. that we bow the knee to the king of all spheres of life. We thank you, God. We ask you to send your spirit, Lord Jesus, to help us, Lord God, moved by your spirit, activated by the gifts of the spirit manifesting the presence of you walking on earth, Lord God, smashing these idols. It's in the name of Yeshua, our glorious Lord and Savior, our King,
0: we pray. Amen. And listen to this, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the ecclesia, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And with that, we'll say goodnight to you from the War Room.
1: Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, By My Soul Among Lions.